Manufacturing's Late Model Live. For the first time ever, I can utter those famous words. You are looking live at Fairbury American Legion Speedway. Cheer on, race fans here at Falls. Holy hell, here comes Bobby Pierce. I do not believe what I'm seeing. Oh, hell yeah. Here he comes. Shepard will win. He'll pick up his first ever Hell Tour victory. The G-Man, Gordy Gunsaker. Surely on the inside, side by side, down the back straightaway. Squirrel and a low equal missile do battle. Look at him, there's a slider coming off the board. Down the back straightaway for the half lap of this one. Once we started just worrying about winning races, it uh, just seemed to all fall into place. This Smokey Man will win his first firecracker. Zero's there. There's Aquasai. Out of four. Who's it going to be? At the line. It's going to be. Your winner is Jonathan Davenport. Babble step to the outside. Shirley Nello. Man with a run up turn number four. Mama Davenport to Shannon Babb is going to win it. Shannon Babb wins it. The mailman has just delivered. Stephen Moran wins the Prairie Dirt Classic here in Falls. Trying to get his fifth win, and he takes the lead. Brandon Overton on lap number 32. Bittersweet, but, you know, we'll take it. We'll just run consistent there. and uh... They are dead even down the back stretch. Into turn number three. Davenport blocking. Shepard, slide job. Davenport answers. Shepard wins. Shepard wins. For your USA National Champion, Brandon Shepard in one. Had I known I was going to have to come back to Derek's face turn, I might have gone on summer vacation a little bit longer than that. It has been 50 days since myself in turn graced the DOD studios for Late Model Live, and what a 50 days it was. As you saw in the open that Tim Truex just put together, somehow, some way, the summer has just vanished in the blink of an eye, and it's August 7th already as we sit in the meat of the month of money and, you know, the crown jewel season is still sort of humming along, but we've reached that time of the season and the time of the year when back to school is starting. World 100 preparation has begun, and before you know it, we'll be putting a bow on 2018. That's how fast it feels like we are moving. Turn, it's, it's got me a little sad, quite honestly, Turn. I feel like time and life is flying by. Does it, does it feel like it's going fast for you, or because I've been slave driving you so hard, you feel like it's been taking forever? No, I mean, uh, it's... 
it's been a long five weeks. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, but you know, I'm, I'm saying five weeks. The last five weeks we've been live, yes, but uh, yes. been a long summer. But uh, I do feel like it's moving quickly. Let us pump the brakes a little bit, though. This is Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live for Tuesday night, August seventh. We returned from summer break for a special Falls Fairbury American Legion Speedway edition of Late Model Live a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. But this is our true back-to-the-grind version tonight, back-in-the-studio, back-at-it version. And as expected, we have a ton, an absolute ton, to cover in the next hour. Of course, this coming weekend is what might be the most interesting, I'll call it, event of the entire season, a four-day North-South 100 awaits starting tomorrow. Not even this weekend, the middle of the week starting tomorrow. Wednesday, 12000 to win. Thursday, 10000 to win. And, of course, Friday and Saturday, that $50,000 to win capper with passing point heats on Friday night. Turn, throw that graphic up there. We will do our yearly talk with Josh King later in the show where I ask him just how crazy he is or has he become as he prepares for outside of Speed Weeks the most consecutive big races that attract the entire season, four in a row. That's about 20 minutes out. And don't forget, we will have full coverage of the North-South 100 all weekend long. Heat and feature highlights, interviews, in-depth stories, live updates, photos, and much more. Remember, nobody's live this weekend. Not us, not Lucas Old TV, nobody. If you want to see it, You've got to get there. Our own Todd Turner will join us and pay attention to review, kind of go over these past 50 days. What did we learn? How did it all set the table for the remainder of the year? He'll give us some north-south 100 thoughts also and really just break the sport down. That's about, I'll turn depending on how long I talk, that's about 10 to 15 minutes away. The suave versus turn lock of the week battle is absolutely heating up. Is the guy responsible for applying the tattoo to what looks like turn stop by our trailer at cedar lake to discuss the matter this weekend in turn it's about tied ish you and suave right now we're getting that later in the show getting closer to being tied right now getting closer it's swinging back to my summer was good for you right yes summer Summer was was very good good. i also have a full notebook to cover at the end of the show it's in the last page here my look at that look at these notes turn at the end of the show Uh, it's been 50 days so my kevin kovac memorial notebook is full I promise you that. We've got dancing drivers, baby pictures, a couple of controversial thoughts that I may have. We'll get to those in about an hour. But it feels good to be back. It feels good. Let's get rocking. Here we go. Five things. Number one on five things. I think we forget sometimes because he's been around for a while. That Brandon Shepard is only 25 years old. 25. So I'm not sure the fact that he's now won three $50,000 to win races in his career is getting the respect it deserves. As after Saturday night, Sheppy is now a three-time crown jewel champion. He added that famous wooden eagle of the USA Nationals to his two dirt track world championships, absolutely dominating Cedar Lake over the weekend, sweeping the three-day affair for a total of $56,000. Remember, he won that last lapper over JD on Thursday night as well, as you're getting ready to see that finish once more right here and what a race that was. I think part of the reason that we might, all of us, ever so slightly overlook this young superstar is that, yes, he's with arguably the best team in the sport, the Rocket House Car team, and yes, he's been racing late models for about a decade. But when it comes to a combo of raw talent plus age plus potential, I'm not sure anybody in the country is better pound for pound than Brandon Shepard. And he was emotional after this one at a track and a place that means an awful lot to his career arc. That sounds amazing. You know, 
like I told everybody, uh, I've been coming here for a lot of years. This is the first place I met Mark Richards and Josh Richards, and uh, it's always been a special place for me. You know, we've, we liked it since the day we set foot on the grounds, and it's it's just escalated into an even bigger show, and even everything's way more prestigious, and the, the fans are awesome. The You know, it's starting to get... It's it's kind of like Fairbury, you know. You show up and you know there's going to be a big crowd in the in the pit area afterwards, and it's just a huge fan. Uh, the you know the how we go out onto the track for the feature is awesome. Whatever they call that, I can't even think straight right now. It's just uh, <laughs> mind blowing, really. You know, our, I knew our car was really good all weekend. I didn't know if I didn't know if it was that good or not, but uh, you know that first feature. The way the car ran around there in the slick, I was really happy with everything, and we just kept a good balance under it all weekend, and it, it worked out well for us. As I was walking out of the pits on Saturday night, somebody raised an interesting point to me when they said, you know, at age 25, Brandon has had a better career than Josh Richards, right? Now, obviously, my first reaction was to think, no way, that's not possible. But it's interesting when you look at the numbers and line them up. We might flush that out in the next few weeks on this show, Brandon versus Josh at 25, We'll see if we've got time for it. Congrats to Sheppy on the 50,000 win and the Kaufman family on another great event. Number two on five things, some Cedar Lake notes to go through. Car count is always a big topic of conversation at the Wisconsin track. Obviously, with things like the Fans Fund, which, by the way, raised $27,000 this year, they know it's not easy to get cars there. So them being up three to 45 this year was a step in the right direction. They also announced next year we'll pay 3000 to start the Kaufmans are committed to keeping it near 50 cars every year and growing it beyond that. Speaking of the Kaufmans, some nice facility upgrades in a few spots, too, including that, look at that turn, that brand-new catch fencing all the way around and that yellow, fresh coat of paint on the wall. I always tell every track, you want to take your place to the next level on a big event weekend, paint the wall. The week of a big event, paint the wall. It goes a long ways. I also love the yellow there. How about every show ending before 11 o'clock? The first two nights ended before 10 turn. Ended before 10. I can't say it enough. That's one of the big keys to the future of our sport. Get done earlier. Kudos to Cedar Lake for realizing it, battling through the weather, weather and being done by 9.30 the first two nights. It's amazing how much energy people have when that happens. We talk so much about Devin Moran, Bobby Pierce, Billy Moyer Jr., and all those second-generation drivers. How about the guy in that white 28 right there? 14-year-old son of Jimmy, Sammy Mars. He raced in the USRA late model class Thursday night. He led a few laps and finished third. Not only is he Jimmy's mini-me turn, is he not? He looks just like him. But he might be a pretty good wheelman as well. We'll keep progress on young Sam's career and some rapid-fire ones here. Three of the last four years, the Thursday winner has gone on to win Saturday night. That's pretty impressive. Sheffy did it this year with that pass. Jimmy Owens has also been inside the top five in four of the last five USA Nationals and a record number of camping spots. Over 1,200 sold this weekend. That is, turn as, as someone said this week, that's a crap ton of campers. That's an official term. I know it's a long way from people up by Minneapolis, but the USA Nationals, still a big-time event 31 years later, also the ninth time that Dirt on Dirt was live from northern Wisconsin. Number three, one of the cooler doubleheaders in recent memory, Mars this past weekend at Bloomington. Yes, Bloomington, Indiana on Friday night in Steve Kinzer's backyard and Brownstown, Indiana on Saturday night for 10000 a win. Billy Moyer Jr. texted me after Friday night and said, why don't we have more late model races at Bloomington? In fact, it was his first super late model race there in 11 years. The hometown boy, K-Rob, swapped the lead with Tanner English multiple times over the final 10 laps with 
K-Rob ultimately getting by Tanner right there when the 96 jumped that Bloomington berm. Saturday, meanwhile, the aforementioned Billy Moyer Jr. popped in and wanted to track. His dad has more than a few victories at Brownstown Speedway in a rare mid-season $10,000 to win show at the Jackson County Fairgrounds. BMJ led every lap for the much-needed win. There's a lot of super late model racing left in the great state of Indiana, or there's not a lot of super late model racing left in the great state of Indiana, I should say, but it was a hell of a weekend nonetheless. It really is. I mean, it's hard to even really put into words what it means to, to me and my whole family, you know, which is to love coming here. Uh, had a lot of good memories, modified street stocks, everything growing up, you know, considering it is my home track. I just don't get to run here a lot. So it's, it's great to come out and see all the fans. All my friends are here. This is fantastic, man. I just, uh, Got to give a hats off to, to the track, uh, everyone, Mike, everyone in, in, involved in, uh, in the Mars series. Like I said last time, man, this is a great series, and I really enjoy running it. The, the track was good, and, uh, you know, later on I did get that sweet spot. But, man, I, I got a little snug there, and I think I was just trying to, to – I wasn't driving hard enough there. And once you drive harder, but there's a fine line. The way these cars have changed, like in the past five years, the harder you drive, the better. But then again, you still can't blow – you know, burn your right rear tire. Also, you got to find that sweet spot. And – you know, it's hard to do that. And then, uh, you know, I knew Tanner, I seen, I just, I didn't pay attention to that board for a while. And then uh, I seen he was in second. I knew he passed some cars and uh, I knew he'd be tough. But, you know, that's one thing. I seen 96 and 7. Those guys aren't going to run you over and I'm not going to run over them. So uh, I didn't have to worry about that. As long as I hit my marks, I think they, I think we had a, the car to beat. And uh, that's really all I can say. Just uh, glad to get a win here. 10 grand anytime. I've, you know, I don't know. We've won a handful of them. But uh, every time you win one of them, it means a heck of a lot more. And there's a, you know, a good, good bunch of cars over there. So uh, uh, we'll go from there. Indiana has two tracks that I want to see more super late model shows at turn. Bloomington and Kokomo. Look at this old video from Kokomo, Summer Nationals race. For you series looking for stops out there, put these two on your list. Would love to see them both on Lucas and or the World of Outlaws. Number four, how is it possible that Rambo Franklin hadn't won a super late model race in two years the guy that won by the boatload in the early DirtOnDirt.com days in the southeast finally got off the schneid when he passed pole sitter Michael Brown right there with 14 laps left. Now, Rambo started sixth, and when it was over, he was just relieved to finally be back in victory lane. And remember, he's in a Schwartz chassis, a Schwartz car, turn, as James Essex would say, which you don't see a lot of in the Carolinas. The call was real good tonight. We, uh, we were a little down qualifying, and... Uh... Felt like the timing system there was off, and uh, but uh, we just bought our time and come up through there and hated that wreck for Zach and Ben Watkins. I'd like to race them, but uh, you know our car was awesome. You know we've been we've been getting better and better with this car. This is a Schwartz car, and uh, we just we just having to you know learn it, and it's it's been kicking our tail. I ain't gonna lie to you, and we finally getting better and better at it. And uh, tonight it was awesome. It drives top bottom. And uh, it was just uh, it was a good, good thing. I just know I just didn't need to knock defenders off of it, and we'd be there at the end. The win was Rambo's 42nd career clash victory. He's the all-time wins leader on the tour, and I have a hunch he's going to get another one before the year is over. There is no way he goes two years again, turn no chance. Finally, number five, it came together late, but the Buckeye Dirt Week ended up having a nice tour. Five races, they averaged 27.2 cars a night, and a points championship that was separated by a single point with R.J. Conley edging his brother Rod for the title at the very end at their home track of Portsmouth Raceway Park. R.J. certainly made the most noise on tour, also winning three of the five series races, including the final two at Brush Creek and PRP. And with a PRP victory, 
He is now guaranteed a starting spot in that Dirt Track World Championship right back on the banks of the Ohio in October. His first race I've won this year at Portsmouth, and boy, it's a special one. Uh, I think they told me I just won this deal by one point over Rod, which I hate that for him, but I'll take that. And, uh, you know, that gives me a provision on dirt track, so I'm just going to show up and uh, just wait till the feature. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the car's been fast. I know I got in the Hawkins there on the hot start of that race, but, man, I'll tell you, when, when you're running out hard, you just – you're giving everything you got, and you just uh, – you just give it all you got, and that's all you can do. And, uh, you know, we was going for the win, and, uh, you know, the XR1 Rocket was running really good tonight. It's been running good this whole speed week. So I think I should have won four of these races, but I won three of them. But, uh, you know, we've just been really good. The car's really good. The crew's been working hard. Uh, you know, just uh, i got to thank all my sponsors, Valvoline, Connolly Trucking, of course, uh, Drain Racing Engine. Man, I, that thing had some horsepower tonight, and... Uh, you know, it's everyone that helps uh, put this thing on the track. Uh, there's so many people that's involved in it, and there's so much work racing these things that uh, I'm getting about too old for it. And uh, and then my dad gets out there, and I say, man, if you just retire, I'd go right with you. But I don't think he's going to. But, uh, you know, we just have fun with it. Uh, and I just thank all the fans for coming out tonight, and I uh, appreciate it. RJ mentioned retirement there. I got to thinking, how different would it be if those Conley boys weren't racing? And, and of course, Delmas. You know, growing up in Illinois, every time I'd open my Mid-American Auto Racing News, it always seemed like a Conley had won a race in the Ohio Valley when I was a kid. They've been woven into the fabric of that region, West Virginia, Ohio, Northern Kentucky. I hate to even hear RJ say the retirement word. Maybe if he wins the Dirt Track World Championship, we won't have to talk about it for a few years. Turn that was five things a few other quick notes from the weekend that i wanted to get to uh turn a few other quick notes and by, by quick i mean me going on and on dane dacus and kyle beard also winners over the weekend in the mississippi state challenge series and the comp cam series respectively and one programming note you saw from some of the footage there we are working with some new shooters some new videographers uh these past few months really trying to develop a few guys from the ground up and they are doing a solid job so far so thank you to richard green and lee gates who are coming along nicely a lot of work left to do guys don't think you're there yet a little bit of work left to do turn you know i'm gonna crack the whip hope to be working with those guys a bit more in the coming months and all of next year turn do you remember when i took you from obscurity and molded you and from a lump of clay into this finely tuned machine that you are now i mean something like that is that so i all i do all the live stuff now yes. because i wasn't a good enough shooter is that what you're trying to tell me anyway or? moving on in the show now turn you you we love you son we love you and you do you do brilliantly not a lot of build up to this week's pay attention i want to get right into it it's been 50 days as i said since we've been on the air and we've sort of turned the corner on the everyday racing uh of course the north south comes up this weekend when i say that but we've turned the corner on the everyday racing portion of the season the hell tour is over the southern nationals are over in essence the guts of the summer are now behind us, and I want to talk about it. I need to digest it more, and that's what we are paying attention to tonight. There is but one man for this job, and that's our chief editor, the guy that helps co-found DirtOnDirt.com, Todd Turner. Todd, let's me and you wrap here for the next few minutes. An awful lot has happened since we were last on the air in June no one has a pulse uh, on the website more than you. You're touching it. You're moving it around every day. So tell me, tell us, 
These last 50 days, what caught your eye? What matters? What's important? Give us two to three, three to four things that if someone had gone on a summer sabbatical and stopped their Dirt on Dirt subscription, shame on them, what would they need to know if they came back here in early August? Well, that's, it's hard to kind of break the season up into that because it just seems to go on and on and on. <laughs> so, to, so to look back look back at that and kind of sort out, oh, what, you know, if, if somebody had uh, fallen asleep or whatever, it's kind of odd to, to catch them up. But, uh, yeah, we can do that. So first off, I, I think the first thing, and this may be the storyline of the whole season, and it was developing earlier on in the spring, but the, those top three in the world of outlaws, Madden, Marler, and Shepard, are mixing it up for the points. Uh, and it's, you know, back and forth, and, you know, every night uh, one guy has a good night and one of them has a bad night, and they kind of, uh, you know, Rick uh, Eshelman, it seems like uh, every tenth lap or so he's giving us a reset of where the points are. That's how tight it is. Um, and that's an interesting thing. And also a key thing about that, and we talked about this a little bit on Fast Talk this week, is that uh, also uh, I think there's a nice comparison between those three guys on the World of Outlaws, how they kind of stack up compared to the – uh, what's what's generally thought to be a deeper Lucas Oil crowd? You know, the top eight or ten there, a lot uh, maybe a lot more solid than 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 you, if you go deeper in the world of outlaws. But those top three in the world of outlaws, that you know, that, that's going to be interesting to see as we go into some of these races where, uh, and we've seen uh, recently in the last couple weeks where they race together to see uh, how those guys sort out. Um, and then I'll get into, I guess, three things that are literally things to, to catch up on if you miss. Uh, obviously, one is the saga of Scott Bloomquist, which, <laughs> which in some cases, if you didn't know anything about it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have missed much because it was more about things that didn't happen than things that did happen maybe in the end. Uh, of course, uh, the 90-day drug suspension for failing to take a drug test at Lernerville, then his uh, anticipation of getting shoulder surgery that would – take him out for the rest of the season. That went by the wayside when he found out it was just arthritis and he could be treated otherwise. Um, now, as it turns out, if he can shorten that drug suspension by fulfilling some requirements, he, he may be in the World 100. And, and except for him missing a few uh, races he might have been in the summer, it, in a way it's going to be all ado about nothing uh, uh, throughout the summer. But that, that was certainly uh, for a few weeks that saga of Bloomquist was uh, keeping everybody uh, kind of uh, their eyes peeled on the website. And then a couple other things, the summer series, you mentioned those, that's uh, the day-after-day series of the Summer Nationals and the, the Southern Nationals. We'll talk about those champions first, Brian Shirley, or talk about those uh, top drivers. Brian Shirley with the Summer Nationals wins the title uh, and really has put together a really good season. He already has two ground, crown jewel top five finishes besides the Summer Nationals title. Um, probably the worst thing about the Summer Nationals is that we didn't get the, the Shirley Shirley Shannon Babb showdown going into last week. You know, Babb had a great start, had some tough luck, and then Shirley kind of pulled away uh, in the end uh, and made the points uh, chase kind of a moot thing. It was kind of a bummer because at Spoon River that night, when those guys mixed it up and were uh, beating and banging on each other a little bit, I mean, that was really kind of setting up to be a – you know, a surely bad, a uh, little bit of a grudge match through the rest of the series. So it's too bad that that uh, didn't come to fruition. Uh, and on the Southern Nationals, uh, you know, Casey Roberts won the title, but Brandon Overton probably kind of the big story in that he had left his ride with uh, the Crossville, Tennessee bunch of Randy Weaver uh, and gone on to run a Billy Franklin car, winning five of those uh, Southern Nationals races. So that was a big deal. And it's interesting to see what Overton's going to do, where he's going to race, and, and how he'll uh, 
how, how he'll perform here the rest of the season. But those, but those things, if you would have missed out on that stuff, you would have uh, you'd be scratching your head a little bit about who's racing where and uh, who's who's the hot drivers. You mentioned those top three in the world of outlaws, and you mentioned the Lucas Oil stuff. And I look at this as we sit here on Tuesday night, August 7th, and I really have no idea, and I don't think you do or anybody else does, when we get to December and we crown our driver of the year, we don't know who that's going to be yet, do we? Those three guys, Bloomquist, Davenport, I think any of them are in the mix. This might be the deepest we've gone with the most guys at this point in the season. We don't know who it's going to be yet, do we? No, we don't, and we definitely need some more races. I mean, could you imagine kind of sitting this? in this position now in November, no, we'd be, we'd be no. sweating it, you know? <laughs> please no. We, we definitely need to, uh, it may seem obvious, but we need somebody to win uh, a couple of big races and kind of uh, kind of set themselves apart. You know, we've got some coming up here for sure. Plus, we have Mansfield in the mix with a, a bigger, you know, the biggest purse of the year, biggest winning purse of the year. So that, that could, uh, you know, give people a little bit of an edge. Uh, of course, somebody reels off a couple, and then and then they get some momentum going. You know, Bloomquist already has the the dream under his belt. Uh, Davenport's in uh, pretty solid command of the Lucas Oil points. Uh, and again, that World Outlaws title chase. You know, as that sorts out, uh, you can kind of decide between Shepard and Madden and Marler which of those three guys maybe have the best bid. I, w- I would settle it out to those five guys right now: Shepard, Bloomquist, Madden, Davenport, and Marler. Those kind of feel right. Now, not to say somebody couldn't uh, reel off a couple of wins and get in there. You know, we've seen guys get hot, but uh, but right now that looks like your top candidate. So it'll be it'll be interesting for sure to see who can uh, win a big crown jewel and kind of get the momentum going. Off the radar stuff, Todd. You and Kovac, the favorite stuff that you do for me is the off the radar stuff. The stuff that I'll go, wow, only Todd would have found that. Toss me two or three things that people may have missed in the last fifty days. Stuff that only a Todd Turner eye could spot, or more importantly, I should say, stuff you want people to. No, that's my favorite thing about you. Like, hey, idiots, you should be paying attention to this. What do you got? Yeah, I've got uh, four things that are kind of under the radar. Not people, not not drivers that people have never heard of, but maybe uh, give them something to think about. One one thing I checked into and thought about doing something on QuickTime was about uh, how much success uh, female drivers have had this year, particularly Amanda Whaley. She's got three wins of three thousand or more wow. uh, of her five victories, and that's 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 big. I remember. It was about 20 years ago now that uh, Elizabeth Halpin Smith won won on the Super Tour, and, and what was thought to be, and I think is the the first time a woman had won on a touring series. And now we have Whaley, arguably maybe the best uh, season a, a female drivers had. Very impressive, and she's not the only one. Britt Carter down there in Mississippi, she's won three times at Pine Ridge Speedway, uh, and of course there's some other talented drivers, Anna Parkhurst, Jordan Feeder. Uh, Megan and Rachel Carpenter, the sisters there in Michigan, are well. Uh, Lauren Longbreak is running. So, you know, we had kind of a stretch there where it was just Jill George racing or April Farmer. But now we kind of have a crop of uh, female drivers that are, are fun to watch every week. Um, one other thing, uh, or I guess three other, three other things. One thing, don't, don't, uh, don't fall asleep on Michael Norris there. I know everybody knows he won the Outlaws victory at Lernerville, but boy, since then, he's kind of established himself as the, kind of the breakout driver of the year. He won 6,200 at State Line, his first time up there. He's had a $3,000 victory at Pittsburgh. He's won seven times at Lernerville, including this last weekend when he started 10th and lapped everybody but one car. (laughs) I saw that. He's he's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then uh, the newcomers we'll be looking at at the end of the year. Mike Moreska and Kay Dillard are probably my favorites among the more touring guys. But then that David Milkey, uh, the Michigan driver, he had those four victories this last weekend at Merritt, uh, two in the modified division, two in the late models over two nights, which is uh, an impressive showing for sure. He's one to watch. And then uh, going back to the national touring side, Josh Richards. Of course, we all know about Josh Richards. But one thing you might not know is that he has – a losing streak of 185 days in national touring competition. That's the longest of his career, going back to the separation between his first and second races, or uh, first and second victories, way back in 2005. So, so he's really uh, it's it's strange to see Josh go this long without winning one. Yeah, February. I mean, I think people forget that. It just is. That's part of it. it that's a shocker to me. And, and I think all that perspective is fantastic stuff there. Speaking of perspective, give us some perspective on the North South 100. And maybe not only this year, you know, this four day event that we're about to have, but historically as an event, where it's come, where it's at. Give us a little North South perspective. You know, it is an interesting race to, to follow. And, and when I was. When I was growing up at, at Brownstown and watching the Jackson 100, the Jackson 100 was kind of the lead, uh, I guess, the lead race between those two. And the North and South has kind of had to find its way over the years. Uh, first off, um, you know, it was kind of changing dates and having to mess around with uh, different dates while it kind of looked for a place to be. It started conflicting with the topless, topless 100. Yeah, head-to-head, head, right, right. People forget that. It was head-to-head yeah. head with the topless, yeah. Yeah, for five years, and that was that. And it kind of had to find its way. Now, the the year that seemed to change and kind of turn the corner was when they got off that uh, conflict with the topless. And in 1999, they had the the stars have a Tampa back to back race. The Bob Pierce here on the Friday. The Bob Pierce here, yeah, right. Yep. And Bob Pierce wins, which you know his, uh, you know the, uh, the kind of a hometown favorite there, uh, connected uh, with a family there. So it was a huge, huge change, and then. And then even then, a few years later, they went unsanctioned for a while, which, you know, I think some people question that. But really, the, the race kind of, uh, the track kind of continued to improve even when it lost its sanctioning there. Or not lost its sanctioning, they decided to go unsanctioned. Right, right. And they right. really continued to build, build and get bigger and bigger and better fields. Uh, one thing I was looking back when I was talk, talking about this, in 1996, 18 of 24 starters we're from Ohio, Indiana, or Kentucky. Wow. Last year, last year just four. So wow. you know, it was truly a regional race 20 years ago, where now it is clearly a national race. And, of course, now, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly in the Lucas Oil fold as well, where, you know, after those uh, years, uh, you know, 10 or 12 years ago when Josh and those guys decided to run unsanctioned. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's way up there near the top of the list. You know, I I know you're going to talk about that tweet later. It was interesting to see people's opinions of where the north-south is. And I know you've talked about this. It's it's part of the country. is is in kind of a golden spot where it can draw those northern guys and those southern guys and the midwestern guys. So that in that interesting way, you know, it, it really is in the center of the, of the late model universe. You know, not far from Eldora. It's a, it's in a good position for sure. I always say it's the Florence is the geographic epicenter of dirt late model racing. Last question, Todd. Offer a few predictions for the remainder of the year. It could be one. It could be ten. You tell me. Give me a few predictions as we close it out. I just got a couple. First off, I think the Mansfield winner will uh, probably pick up his richest payday ever. Uh, that, I know that's <laughs> going out on a limb there. But, yes, uh, thank you. Thank we're, you. We're, we're, 
we're looking at what 175 grand right now or something. That's that's huge. And, and it'll be interesting to see unless what Unless Donnie is. Moran is racing, I think you're probably going to be right. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, if if that money keeps going up, who knows? He may jump in a car. That's true. Um, I I'll go with two two high profile things. I I like Brandon Shepard to finally win the World of Outlaw title, but I think it'll come down literally to the last lap there in Charlotte. I, I think it'll be uh, Madden and Marler. Those guys will be right in the mix right to the end. And then uh, let's go to the World 100. I'll go ahead and tell you, I think Dale McDowell is going to win it. He is just right there always at Eldora. It just feels like it's, uh, you know, it, it's just there for him. And he's uh, the 100-lap guy there. He's he's hard to beat. So that, that's two big ones I'll throw out there, actually. All right, Todd, I appreciate it. I just want to make sure, too, Turk and Annie in the background, are they okay there? I just want to make sure. I know that Tur- Todd's pug life dogs get a little fired up when he does mm-hmm. interviews. Are they okay? I just want to make sure they're all right. Well, uh, you, you understand Turk is a big Jackson 100 fan. <laughs> so when I started talking about the north-south, that was, that was not the uh, – that was, that was a bad deal well, for him. This year, remind him we're doing the Jackson 100 live, so Turk will be able to tune in. He won't have to leave the comforts of his – or she won't have to leave the comforts of her own home. I know that's important for Turk not to move a lot. So. Yes, yes, it'll be perfect. All right, thanks, Todd. We appreciate it, buddy. We'll see you this weekend at Florence, okay? Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. This is probably a list that will never get revealed, but we are pretty commonly ranking the crown jewels in this office, like Turn said. What race goes where? And let's just say the North-South 100 has a pretty lofty spot amongst us DODers. But I want to hear from you. Where does the North-South 100 rank on your crown jewel list? List. Hashtag Late Model Live, at Dirt on Dirt. Tell me what you think, and we will give your answers after the break. You're watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. We're back, Turn. Back after this. Marie up there is just uh, is a great person to talk to. They're always real easy. Uh, you need something to get it right out. And uh, I just my program wouldn't be nearly where it's at without support like FK Rod ends. Everything on our cars, you know, the best in the business, and they're on there for a reason. And we just have such you know good relationships with Marie and them there, and and their products, you know, the best in the business, and that's why we run them. After nine years of trying, Scott Lucas finally a Show Me 100 winner at Lucas Oil Speedway. The Rocket Tessie Neuro Power Saturday dominates in Muskegon County. Tonight here at Tri City Speedway, Brian Shirley wins in Alba Turn number four. He's fourth of the season and sweeps the weekend. Brian Shirley wins in Bay County. And now through turns three and four, it's going to be Scott Lucas winning his eighth dirt late model dream. events need and should have an identity to them. I really do want to be a pioneer and have a lasting great impression on the sport. has has a power and has an ability to do something to people that they themselves probably don't even realize it, it can happen. 
as it's Babbitt Moyer. They're reeling in more and more and loud traffic. Fans on their feet down the back straightaway for the half lap of this one. Have a turn number four, ladies and gentlemen, picking up the win for $10,000 back-to-back Shannon Babb. That one of those fun moments that we had over the last 50 days on the last lap at Sycamore on opening weekend of the Summer Nationals. Turn, I like that you can see in this shot right now, I'm not wearing shoes. Do you like that, Turn? Yep. Well, I'm not, not wearing either. shoes. Sometimes shoes, sometimes not on Late Model Live. We are shoe, <laughs> we are shoe free tonight. I'm already starting to get some text and phone calls today. Rigsby, release your list of the top crown jewels. I want to know what you think. Turn, that's not going to happen. I can promise you that. People already hate me for my top 25, and now they want me to start ranking races. <laughs> I'll just say that the North-South for sure is in the top five for me. I'm just going to say that and leave it at that. What did the people say, Turn? What did they say? Let's see. Right. The Twitter question was. Oh, I'll go back. To yeah, you give me the Twitter yeah. question first. Right, Where does the North-South 100 rank on the list of crown jewels in dirt late model racing? And the people said. Aaron Howard says his top five are, wow, this is lofty for the North-South. I like this. World 100 first, North-South second, Dirt Track third, the Dream fourth, and the World Finals fifth. I don't know if the World Finals is a crown jewel or not. I do know that the crowd is absolutely massive, and it's a spectacle. We we need to hone in what we're defining as a crown jewel, but this guy has North-South number two. Turn, you take the next one. Yeah, this, uh... <laughs> you got this one, Bobby Pierce? I believe it's Bob oh. Pierce. Oh, Bobby Bob- Pierce. Okay, yes, okay. Bobby Pierce. Says uh, top five. Yeah, so, so Bobby Pierce, whose family, obviously, is mother from the Florence area. So he's, he calls it a top five event. What do we got next? Roy Downing. Okay, this one. I rank it sixth, just behind the USA Nationals. Used to love reading Mid-America at the World 100 to see who won. So you get that turn. He had to wait three weeks to figure <laughs> out who won the North-South 100. Back when the North-South was run in late August, Knoxville, PDC, and Gateway nipping at its heels. Is it World 100 week yet? So he's got it inside the top six. Turn, you take the next one. All right, from uh, our friend Kelly Carlton. Friend of the says, program. The purse has been uh, improved, plus adding... Additional separate events, uh, so before, I'm assuming. Yes. Racers can park for three days and race for good money without burning diesel. True. Add that to the uh, attendance numbers, and now it's easily a top five. All right, so another so – I think yep. the general consensus yeah. is top five. Is there one more or nope. no? That is that it. You can, you can take up with the yeah, one. Yeah, there was one guy on Twitter trying to tell me. that he, He's like, yeah, great event, 11th. If it, who the hell thinks the North-South 100 is 11th on the Crown Jewel list? What 10 does he have ahead of it? Turn, did he say, that guy on Twitter? I didn't see any numbers ahead of it. but uh, I'm going to see if I can dig it up real quick. I, also I feel like, like he would have to be reaching uh, a little bit I, for I, I, well, that, a, An obvious reach. Gosh yeah. dang it, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, I don't remember what he said. He had it at 11th, which is pure nonsense. So, oh, here we go. Uh, because the purse is to, uh, 11th, we'll drop it in the inauguration. This guy's crazy. Ronnie, Ronnie Hedrick. Ronnie, appreciate you checking in. Thanks for being a fan. I think you're a subscriber, but come on, man. 11th? It's a lot better than 11th. Uh, we'll have our guest in a minute, I feel like, will take umbrage with that as well. I checked with Todd Turner and Andy Savory on this to clarify, and they agree. As it stands right now, like I talked about with Todd, we have no idea who the driver of the year will be, but week to week, who will be number one on the JRI Shocks Top 25? We also don't really know that. There's a good amount of debate in this office. Uh, Derek actually yelled at me this past week about who I had number one prior to the USA Nationals. He yelled at me, turn. Oh, my. It's contentious in here about the top 25. So let's take a look. JRI Shocks top 25 this week. Brandon Shepard leaps from number four to number one on the heels of his Cedar Lake sweep. Eight votes. Blomquist has not raced in two weeks. Still got two votes, turn. Thoughts on that? I mean, 
I get it. It's like if you had a race tomorrow, who would you be picking? I mean, I get it. I, he's probably I, a favorite. At the, <laughs> I, I, James Essex. He's probably a favorite at the North yep. South. So I hear you. JD hangs at number three. Mike Marler drops three spots just because the guys ahead of him were so good. Owens up a couple spots. Brian Shirley all the way to number seven. Good for Squirrel. And Dale McDowell falls to uh, number 10 down three spots. Not a lot of movement in the 10 through 20 from last week. Chris Simpson's up a couple of spots to 18. Uh, and Billy Moyer struggled a little bit up at Cedar Lake. He's down three spots to 20. Turn, who is the newcomer? And a, a rare thing here, yeah. Turn. Tell people it's, what happened. It's technically the top 26, it I is. guess. We had a tie for 20, 25th. So uh, R.J. Conley, the newcomer this week. R.J. Conley on the strength of three of five Buckeye Dirt Week wins. Leaps into a tie with Max Blair for the 25th spot. And like you said, I think it's the first time ever we've actually ranked 26 guys or at least had a tie for 25th. Perhaps. So, I might remember one other time. I turn. You don't. You, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Our guest today on the show, it marks a very special occasion. Ten years ago. Ten. Oh, my God. I'm getting old. Ten years ago, Josh King joined me the first for the first time to preview the North-South 100 on what was then a video cast. We joked. We laughed, we fell in love, and I told him if he was willing, I would have him on every year to talk about the North-South, and it is a promise that I have held true, and boy, do I have some questions for Josh this year. Joining me now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is the promoter of Florence Speedway and a man who, uh, someone said, say this to him, a man who might have lost his mind, Josh King. Josh, typically we've got a little lead time after the Tuesday interview, you've got a good solid 48 hours at least before you get into the weekend. But now you are 24 hours from the North-South 100 beginning. So I'll ask you this question first. And a promoter told me to ask you this, and I won't say which one. He told me to ask you, Josh, are you crazy? How crazy are you? And if you weren't crazy, have you already gone crazy by Tuesday of the four-day North-South 100? I'll let you answer the question, Josh. It's one of those I was pretty sure I was crazy about. Let's give about 17 minutes after the press release went out in May about rescheduling this. It was one of those. It, that was such a just a convoluted mess of just wanting to kill every weather person on the planet. When you know we go to bed Friday night and there's zero chance of rain, zero. And you wake up Saturday morning and it's just rains all day. And it's, it's, you, you, you just kind of, after, and after our spring where we lost like seven to nine races or whatever it was. And, you know, so you're in the middle of just this hell year and you're finally getting a good weekend on a big show. And then that happens. It's just, you automatically, you just, you do lose a little. And at the time, well, you had the Wednesday, the North South. I mean, we, we put it on Thursday before Wednesday sounds fine. That way we don't lose the race. You know, <laughs> it sounds like a great idea. Then, then you, you announce it and you, you know, you get over that moment, and then you start actually processing what it takes to put a four-day show on. And it's like, holy, what have we done? So the answer is yes. <laughs> and now yes. that we're actually into it, yeah. yes. <laughs> but now that we're actually into it, it's just like, man, there's a lot of logistics going to go into this. I mean, just getting staff alone is right. a nightmare. Obviously, a few years ago, the Latham rains out, and you put that on a Thursday. It worked out incredibly well, and the three-day North-South 100 format was born. This year, the Latham rains out, and you say, like you said, the hell with it. We'll put it on Wednesday, thus a four-day north-south format is born. A lot of people have asked me, so I'd like you to explain. 
take us like pretty in depth in that decision. I don't want you to give us exact financial numbers, but how much with a calculator and like one of those big accountant reels and everything and late nights with a pencil in your mouth, how much work goes into figuring this out? Yeah, as a promoter, we can actually make this four-day thing work. You you touched on it a little bit, but I envision you and Jen late at night with like math equations flying through the air, like the movie The Hangover with Alan. Like that's what I'm seeing. Talk about what all goes into figuring out if this can work or not. I mean, honestly, the 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 financial side on the purse and you know the ticket prices and the gates and all that. All that was pre- it was pretty straightforward. I mean, we have so many I mean, so many people here early for these right for this week anyway. I mean, even last year, I mean, just we weren't racing Wednesday night, and there was a ton of people moseying around then. So on that side of it, that part all was actually pretty straightforward. It was the logistics of everything else is where it kind of it, it started going off of the rails. It's just it's like how much beer do you stock? How much pop do you stock? I mean, are you going to have enough? I mean, do you account for like a like like this is going to act like a Wednesday or is it going to act like a Thursday? How is it going to act as far as what you need to stock? Then, as far as storing all of this, I mean, cold storage for you know a thousand cases of this and a hundred cases of that and everything else. It's trying to figure out how to make the whole event roll. Is that's where all the uh, the real figuring went into it. You are the chief track prep guy at this racetrack. Just how much more work for you is this week, and how do you manage? slash prep a track differently for a four-night affair than you would a two- or three-night affair. Just how big of an undertaking is this? I've been seeing your Facebook all week, 16-hour day, 17-hour day. Oh, bonus, 14-hour day today. How different will it be for you this week with four nights having to prep this thing because you're really the guy doing it all? Oh, you just you just started there earlier. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No. Thank you, Josh. Oh. Yes, sure. No, I mean, it really... It's it's one of those I've been kind of it's been a it's been just a weird year trying to get ready for this. Last year we kind of I kind of got backwards on Friday of the North South. I Thursday night I it was where I really wanted it to be. Um, Friday night it was just I just couldn't get the moisture in where I wanted it, and I kind of panicked a little bit and kind of tried to go overboard a little bit Saturday and still didn't quite hit the mark I wanted to. So I mean when you start putting you know seventy seventy plus cars on a track that many days in a row, it, that clay gets hard packed. And we were having some equipment issues and a few things like that. So all winter and you know, going into the spring, I was I was really, it was how am I going to get the moisture into the track? How am I going to break it up? You know, how am I, how am I going to work this three nights or four, three or four nights in a row? And then when we get into the spring and just rain after rain after rain after rain, and we put new dirt on and it, it wasn't quite acting the way I wanted it to. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, how am I going to get this track to lay down for four days? Uh, and not just fall apart. So it's one of those, it's how I would prepare for it under normal circumstances and how I've been actually preparing for it kind of backwards. It's it's, <laughs> it's almost it's almost going to be a deal where each night I'm just going to have to play it by ear and just go with whatever the track gives me. Obviously this year with the rain out, that made it, the original rain out made it three days. This year rain out made it four days. Do you anticipate, and I'm just going to put you on the spot, do you think this thing could become a four-day event, or would you strongly prefer to keep the Latham early in a three-day north-south? Oh, I think we're going to go for the full East Bay six-day deal next year. <laughs> God, don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You can't. No. Don't, tell, no, your, don't tell your wife that either. She will kill you. So... <laughs> She, don't, she doesn't listen to your program, Michael. Don't worry. Damn it. <laughs> but now, I mean, no, we really don't want I, – I don't see an intention of taking this to four days. I mean, it would have to be one of those. It would have to be just such a monstrous crowd Wednesday that we don't have a choice. But it's not really in the in the place. I think three days is that sweet spot for these mega races. 
it um the two day stuff is kind of I don't know. I don't want to say it's kind of it's kind of not what it used to be, but three days seems to I, you can get the crowds for them. But four days, I just I think we're going to do well enough Wednesday that it, that it'll you know be worth doing. But not it's not something I, I plan on doing in the future unless you know the same situation occurs. I can't say I wouldn't do it again, but it's not going to become a four day just straight north south. By now, I think I've asked you all the double heat format questions. I've asked you all the Florence track reconfiguration questions. But I want to touch. I'm going to play a Three sound. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to play the. I want to play a soundbite at home, and then I'll tell you what this soundbite is. Uh, turn, play this Scott Bloomquist soundbite real quick, and then I'll tell Josh what it is for the folks at home. Turn, go ahead and play it. I guess you're just going to have to get used to knocking our uh, right rear deck off here when we come here. You know, that's what's won the race the last couple of years. So, uh, just the way it goes. It's Scott Josh commenting on, it's this sort of, I don't want to say famous, but his quote from Victory Lane about, well, I guess I'm going to have to knock the deck out to win a race here. You know the, <laughs> and you know what yeah. I'm talking about. So obviously Scott is talking about the fact that Bobby Pierce, Tim McCree, and the others, they've pounded that cushion there to win races recently. If I had told, and what I, I don't really care about what Scott said there as much as I care about, if I had told you 15 years ago, Florence has this awesome reputation on this up on the wheel, it's got this awesome mud ring around the top. The bottom and middle are still good, but the top is also good. Would you have believed me if I had told you 10 or 15 years ago, Scott Bloomquist would be saying, man, you really got to get up there and pound the cushion to win a race here. Would you believe that? I mean, at the time, probably not. But, I mean, a lot of it comes down to this, these cars have changed so much. That's it. They've yeah. gotten so good with setups and shocks and everything else. I mean, that, that, I think you could just about set a pole in the middle of an ice rink, and they could just, you know, run full bore right around it. <laughs> and it's 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 not as easy to do a a you know the black ice slick track and keep it from rubbering up. It's just not it's just not not back then they could race three wide. They, it's harder for them to race three wide now. So you get a situation where you got to make sure they, there's multiple grooves in. Without a cushion there, it, it's it's I'm not going to say without a shadow of a doubt going to you know they're going to suck to the bottom, but they start getting a, a line cleaned out, especially with a 40 right rear tire and all that. It, it's more likely to go one lane. So if you can keep a you know a cushion there, a viable line at the top, it's it's almost I mean it's almost impossible for it to rub around the top. With a if you're running around the top and you're fast around, you can get by them. You can slide and you know you can dive under and stuff like that. Where if it's fast around the bottom, well, <laughs> what, what are we going to do next year? You know. So where it was back you know 15 years ago to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a natural progression the way it needed to go. And, I mean, I, in my opinion, it's worked out. Um, yeah, I don't I don't quite – I mean, last year with the cushion almost got too thin to the point where you – I mean, they, the guys did have to knock their backs out to get, get to the moisture. Um, I wouldn't want it to be that close to the wall again. But, I mean, by all means, I plan on having a cushion up there. If someone is coming to your racetrack for the first time this weekend, and I think every year this damn thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger, what is something you'd tell them to do? A first-timer, other than eat the pizza, of course, which I will be eating a lot of pizza this <laughs> week. What is something you'd tell them to do, a Florence first-timer this weekend? I mean, it's it's one of those that I almost need to tell them a couple weeks ago. It's get your tickets. I mean, it's, <laughs> get here early. Get your campsite. The camping situation this year is just it's 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 insane it's just it gets i mean more and more crowded every year the seating situation we were literally selling reserve seats in june that normally don't sell for the week of the race um i mean i i, I we're, we fully expect to sell out by saturday if not hit capacity and it's it's one of those if, if you're wanting to get here you need to get here early because it's it's just it's it's this event has grown it's grown to the point where i mean and i've said this many years we're kind of reaching the the, the limits of the facility and 
we've only got so much parking we, that we can use, only so much camping we can use, and there's only, only so many places we can put seats. And we get rental bleachers, and we're filling those up. So it's one of those, it's just a, if you're wanting to see this race, it's, it's, make sure you get here early to get a seat. Okay, you say that. Every year it can't get any bigger. Every year it gets bigger. So what are some thoughts you've had on making this even bigger? Surely there's a few things rattling around in your brain there of, all right, we could do this, we could do this. You know, I know you've already upped the purse, the, the start money's more, all that's more. Give me one secret, one thing you've thought that, eh, we could do this and make this event a little bigger. What is it? Five days. Early five days. <laughs> No, I mean that's just it. I mean it's it, it, uh, and we hit on it when we when we did the, the passing board format and the adding the Thursday. It's about figuring out how to get the people there more here more days because it used to be we had this big crowd on Saturday, but they only came Saturday. Right. Um, it's about figuring out how to get them here more days. Uh, get you know, and then also well, by having Wednesday and Thursday races, you get people in here who are coming Wednesday and Thursday, but they're going to their home tracks Friday and Saturday. So it's I mean Saturday it's. We're, like I said, we're landlocked, and you know we're, we're very limited on where we can put more. I mean, cars. I can build bleachers, but where am I going to put the cars for the people to get here? So, that's kind of the limiting factor where we're at, and it's. it's I I don't really have a good answer for it yet. That you will come up with something. We'll figure it out this weekend. We'll do some jello shots and we'll figure it out. I'm 0 for 9. <laughs> My final question, I'm 0 for 9. Nine years in a row, you've turned me down. This is the year Josh King makes a prediction turn on who wins the North South 100. Josh, you say the winner is? Uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, this is such a, I mean, this is the most schizophrenic year I think I've ever seen as far as who's on top. I mean, you'll have Davenport go through a stretch. You have Shepard go through a stretch. You'll have Scott go through a stretch. And I mean, there's it's it's kind of I mean, and I, I know I say this every year, it's wide open. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously you got to say the favorite is Scott, but I mean, you look through history and Scott's probably going to finish second because that's where I don't know why but Scott always finishes second. He hasn't won it in 18 yeah. years, man. That's an all. He's got to at I mean, some that's point, crazy. right? <laughs> right, right. That's crazy. Wow. But I mean, it's it's one of those. There's guys that are good here. I mean, Bobby is good here. I mean, Mikey Marler, he's back there. He's good here. I mean, there's it to try to pick one guy. Obviously, as a promoter, it's like you trying to pick a race. You're gonna pick it. You're gonna piss some tracks off, so you can't pick a race. I can't pick a driver. Um, but right. it's, it's one of those. It's it's just it's. I, I really don't think there's a favorite this year. I mean, I, mean, I see you. Do you think there's a favorite this year? Uh, no, I think this is literally as open as it's been. I think one of 12 to 15 guys could win this race. Uh, I think it, Scott's got to win it at some point. 18 freaking years. There's just no way. There's just no way he doesn't eventually win this thing. But he doesn't like to knock the deck out, like you said. So if there's a cushion, I don't know. I mean, I like your exactly. Mikey, your Mikey Marler pick is good. I like. I think Mikey could be awfully strong this weekend. The moral of the story is, though, try the pizza, buy your tickets early, you better get there to camp, and how many Jello shots have you guys already prepared? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I tried to solo that, and I got to about 600 one night, and I think I did another 400 the next night, and I may never do that again, but we got a 1,000 sitting back there right now. A 1,000 Jello shots. What, what, turn, screw the racing. This guy's got a 1,000 Jello shots. Come to Florence this Come weekend. Come for the party. Come for the party. A floor, a four-night North-South 100 and get there. But next year it'll be five and the year after six. So go enjoy the one-time-only yep. North-South 100. Josh, as always, Manny, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. We will see you this week slash weekend. Uh, good luck with everything, and try not to go crazy. All right, buddy? I'll do my best. Right. Don't forget the champagne. I will not forget. Long story short, I'm bringing the champagne to the North South 100. The entire event really rests on my shoulders. Turn. Yeah. They can't do it without the champagne. So 
I'm trading the bottle of champagne for a piece of uh, free pizza, Josh. Is that fair? I, I don't know that. I, I think Jen will get, still get two bucks out of it. Damn it. She probably will. All right, buddy. Get back to work. All right. I'll see you this weekend. And see you, Michael. All right. See ya. Turn. They can't do it without me. You've learned that here. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We've got Swab's Lock of the Week on the other side of the commercials. You are watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. has franchised for Ford, Kia, Chevy, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. We cover heavy-duty hauling or vehicles for the driving enthusiast. At any Mark Martin location, you'll find a large selection, variety, and great prices. MarkMartinAutomotive.com gives you 24-hour access to every location. Browse inventory, apply for credit, and schedule your delivery. We can arrange for delivery anywhere in the U.S. or pick you up at an airport. Give us a chance to earn your business, and you'll see why everyone wins at Mark Martin. Late Model Race in Australia, this is a really cool deal that they put on, and uh, we're just having a blast parking by my butt here, Ryan. Uh, it's just it's just a really fun time. It just keeps growing, so I can't see why, why next year wouldn't be any bigger. Meanwhile, two to go, and it's all Jason Fitzgerald and Tyler Ram. Flying job to earth. Can he pull his right? Yes, he can. Back to the race lead. And wins. And takes the win. Hell, I think there was, what, 29, 30 cars at, at every show, and that, that was way better than last year, so... Never know when we get back next year, there might be 50. I'm glad, actually, that Josh reminded me of the champagne because 100% I had forgotten about it. Oh, so. I guarantee it. <laughs> so I'm glad that Josh King reminded me because I'm thinking, yeah, I totally have it. And I'm like, where am I going to get some it's, champagne? It's near the van <laughs> that's headed to Florence this oh, weekend. Okay. Uh, I'm running a little bit late tonight, as I knew that I would, because I got a lot to say. Turn champagne and tattoo talk. Speaking of tattoo talk, more of that coming up. But first, it's been a hot, you know, it's been a, it's been a busy 50 days. We have some hot competition on the road. We got a little bit of that in this week's Turns Turn. I'm going to watch you dance. Solo dance tonight. <laughs> Solo the tongue out? What know. was happening there? Well, I mean, you know, in honor of the Derek tongue hanging yeah, out from all the yes, PDC yes, stuff. So, yes. yeah. So we, uh, you know, going along with the competition thing, there's been a lot of competition going on between uh, Derek and myself That's right. out on the road. So, uh, you know, we stay in Stillwater, Minnesota, great town, Favorite road uh, town. while we're up there for the USA Nationals. And we found this cool dive bar last year, so we decided to go back. And they have a ski ball machine. I wouldn't call it a dive bar, first of all. It's, it says fair. the classiest dive bar on the on the. Touche. I stand corrected. All right. Go ahead. All right. So they have a ski ball machine. Here is a photo of our good friend Suave throwing the ski ball there. <laughs> what form? What form? I know. I know. Better yeah, form than mine. Here, yes. here's mine. Here's yeah. mine. So uh, we played this game. And Derek and I, you know, said, 
All right, highest score has to do something. We were trying to come up with, you know, a punishment of some sort. Lowest score has yeah, to do something. Yeah, or lowest score, yeah, rather. My bad. Yes. So we came up with the tattoo theme. Again. Again, going back to the well. And so I might have lost. You for, sure, just, for sure lost. It was, it was not a good round for me. 100% and, lost. Yeah. So what I have to do is next summer... I have to pick a week in which I have to go to a dirt late model event and be out in the public, unfortunately. And I have to sport a butterfly tattoo on my ankle. <laughs> temporary, so, temporary, small temporary, butterfly. temporary. Yes. So, and, uh, you know, I signed a contract and I had to mention this. Uh, there was a guy that scored, what, a 360 when we were playing ski ball? 360. And, and if you're wondering who that is, turn, it's this guy right here. High, I am a, I am a, a, a ski ball savant, yeah. if you must To know. be fair, I held the high score for most of the evening at 320. No, it doesn't matter so. what happens in the second quarter turn. It matters what happens well, in the fourth quarter when the buzzer goes off. The moral of the story is we're going to get to this. This is a photo of me and Dan Bailey, the guy that will be doing the tattoo at the Dome for the Loser. There's me, Suave, and Dan Bailey. Dan, of course, obviously Dan's got a lot of tattoos going on. He knows what he's doing. He's a tattoo artist in Omaha. He even told us, Turn, he can apply your butterfly tattoo as well. Uh, so that will not be a problem. Uh, he was at I-80. He was at Cedar Lake. I, what I wouldn't like if I'm you here, he's cozying up to Derek a little bit. I know. Have I know. You, I'm a little you, nervous. Right, right. Like, I don't know that I like that those two have something going on. Um but anyway, uh, Turn has to get a butterfly tattoo on his ankle. I say pink. I think we do pink. During the <laughs> Summer Nationals, no high socks. He has to have it. Speaking of tattoos, let's take a look at this week's Suave's Lock of the Week. Suave's Lock of the Week. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Sure, I went 1-3 during summer break. Sure, my record fell to 9-7, and seven, but never fear D Suave is here. What a race! Move over, Falls! The race of the year so far right now. This weekend, I'm taking my talents to Florence, y'all, for the Sunoco Race Fuels North-South 100. And this pick was an easy one. I'm going with Mr. 600, Scott Bloomquist, to pick up his first North-South 100 title since 2000 it's hard to believe it's been 18 years since the dirt tracks dominator has been in victory lane for this race but he's determined to get the job done and help me improve my record at 10 and 7 go ahead and hate on my pick i love the haters because i got one thing to say to you boo to you and that's suave's lock of the week It's such an awesome day. New year, but the same old swap. So give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. He can paint a picture however he wants. He went one and three over the summer. He is now nine and seven. That's right. He was eight and four before turn. It's he's coming back to you. He's coming back to you. At the end of the day, everyone thinks and wants Derek to lose this. So oh, you've of got course. you've got that going for you. We're gonna take our final commercial break of the night. No more tattoo talk, I promise, back after this. Racing the world is only at Ontora. It's the 48th annual World 100. 
Witness Turn Late Model Superstars battling for $51,000 to win. One giant weekend of camping, music, parties, and the nation's greatest dirt racing. And it's only at El Toro Speedway, located on Ohio State Route 118, just north of Rossburg. Get your tickets now at EldoraSpeedway.com. The World 100. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Only at El Toro Speedway, Ohio State Route 118, Rossburg. Is your company looking to reach more racers and businesses? Is your race team unable to attend that important trade show? If so, now is the time to join The Drive, poised to revolutionize the trade show experience through its virtual and mobile-friendly platform. The Direct Racing Industry Virtual Expo is set to air live November 8th through the 10th, 2018. The Drive is free of charge and features virtual booths filled with photos, videos, live chat and much more from many industry leading companies to attend the drive free of charge or to register as an exhibitor visit us at thedriveexpo.com Josh Richards in a backup car comes from the tail to win tonight at Golden Isles who's it gonna be at the line oh no I have no idea, but it looks like Shepard won. And Brandon Shepard, your new leader. Checkered flag awaits. Here comes Ben, but Shepard will lead his flock to the promised land. He'll win a blue shot. Moved to California. His father was an airline pilot. He took the asphalt racing in 1980. Moved to East Tennessee, hit the dirt tracks all over the country. As he comes out of turn number four, down the main straightaway, and Scott Bloomquist wins the 600 of his career. There have been some memorable moments during the summer of 2018. That kicked it off at Lucas Oil Speedway when Scott Bloomquist won his 600 race turn. Before we end the show, one thing I wanted to get. Uh, make aware, I guess, to some of the race fans and people on our website and subscribers. Take a look at this. This is on our website, Weekly Late Model Results. You know, we, Weekly Late Model Racing, we all know, is not in its best place it's ever been. And we try to do our part by listing every weekly late model result from every state in the country, top five with notes and quotes and everything like that. This is Illinois. So make sure you check that out. Click on those weekly late model results. We are a lot more than just a national uh, coverage website we literally have there it is weekly you can check out every track that races you can check out late model results right there make sure you check that out weekly late model results every week i'm going to touch on stuff like that the next couple of months the history section too we turn we've talked about it the yeah. history section on our website is the most detailed dirt late model historical section you will find anywhere on the planet. Todd Turner and now Andy Savory do such a great job maintaining that. So weekly late model results and, of course, that history section. Check them both out. I'm just going to pause. I'm going to let somebody find it. Okay. And weekly late model results and history. I want that to really sink in that we have those two things. Let's finish this show strong with five to go. Number five, the Mars Series had a nice season under the leadership of new owner Chris Tilly. He's picking his locations well, and he's got a good, good another set of races this weekend after his Indiana doubleheader last weekend. It kicks off at Kevin and Tammy Gundaker's own Tri-City Speedway Friday night for 5000 to win. Remember, this was originally a 3000 to win race, but got a nice purse bump to draw some more guys in. I think Billy Moyer skips the north-south. 
goes to a place where he's won a million races and grabs the victory at Tri-City. Number four, that is Mars on Friday. Mars on Saturday is a makeup from earlier in the year as the Falls Frenzy rained out back in May. Hits the Fairbury American Legion Speedway for 10,000 to win Saturday night, just 14 days turn after we were live there for the PDC. I know Babs and the Fagers and the Shirleys of the world will be hard to beat, but wouldn't it be cool for a guy like a Kevin Weaver or a Daniel Flesner or somebody like that to pick up 10000 bucks? And it is possible. Not probable, though. I got Shirley. The squirrel rides a second at Cedar Lake to a first at Falls. Number three, multiple times this year out east, tracks have strung together little race weekends of solid paying races and have drawn great car counts as a result. This weekend, it's Bedford for 3000 on Friday night and Hagerstown for 3000 on Saturday, only about 90 minutes between the two tracks. It's not on his schedule just yet, but Austin Hubbard already won 8000 at Bedford this year. I think he gets 3000 on Friday, and if he goes to Hagerstown on Saturday, he'll sweep the weekend. Don't forget also 15000 a win coming up at Bedford at the end of the month. Number two, the Carolina Clash sticks in the great state of South Carolina. South Kakalaki, as Ozzie Altman would say on Saturday night, at another big old half-mile Cherokee Speedway. We talked about it earlier. Rambo Franklin got off the skids with his first win in two years. I don't think he waits that long. I say Rambo goes back to back. But if by chance Chris Ferguson gets that new Bloomquist car done and decides to break it out for one night, one night only, he could be a factor. But I got Rambo. 4,000 to win class race at Cherokee on Saturday night. And number one, I like to see these non-national tour 10,000 wins popping up on the schedule. Last weekend it was Brownstown. This week it's another famous short track, the Hornet's Nest of Talladega short track. Southern All-Stars in town for 10,000 to win. And like I said about Fairbury, what I really love about races like this is that a regional guy, perhaps even a local guy, has a hell of a shot to make their best payday of the season. Every time I pick Talladega, I am drawn to Jason Hyatt. But I think Michael Page continues his good season, slides across the state line, and gets a $10,000 payday turn. That was five to go. A bonus note, Dirt on Dirt will have coverage of the George Classic. I love to say that. George Classic, Saturday night, 5000 a win for the Rush Series at the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. We will have highlights. Our own Lee Gates is headed there for that. Is the highest-paying uh, rush race of the season and Brandon Locke, which does a great job with that event. Just uh, we're a little bit of a sponsor of it and uh, good for him for really raising money and awareness on social media. That's 5,000 wins Saturday night at Pittsburgh. Turn a busy on-demand schedule. What do we got this weekend? We have all kinds of stuff. North-South, all four nights. Four, four nights of four. the North-South 100. Yes, we will have uh, Mars at Tri-City, Mars at Fairbury, UMP at Jacksonville. It's a make-up Summer Nationals yep. race Sunday night. Yep. Uh, we will have Rush at Pittsburgh, Carolina Clash at Cherokee, Carolina Clash at Carolina, which is actually next Tuesday. Yes. Uh, no, lev- no late model live next Tuesday, so we won't. Uh, I threw it on there. Yes, uh, Southern yes. All Stars at Talladega, unsanctioned at Bedford. That's a busy weekend. Yeah. That is a for uh, having a crown jewel. That is a lot of other stuff. Like I mentioned, also uh, the live schedule takes a little breath here. No North South this weekend. Turn our next live event is the Dirt Million, the inaugural Dirt Million at Mansfield, that Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series event where I want to say, I want to say like 175, 180. I, oh my God, it's, I getting can't, up there. it's getting up there. It's the highest paying race of the entire year. A portion of every pay-per-view sale also goes to supporting the purse turn, and they won't announce how much until Saturday night right before the driver's meeting, yeah. which is going to be pretty cool. So keep that in mind. A portion of the pay-per-view sales go towards the purse, which is totally awesome. The Dirt Million uh, live, and we take Labor Day weekend off and come back with, of course, 
my favorite event, the granddaddy of them all, the World 100, live again at DirtOnDirt.com and our partnership with EldoraSpeedway.com, Roger and Jonathan, the World 100. I say, calling it right now, the biggest World 100 ever. Largest crowd, more campers, biggest 50-50. Everything about this World 100 is screaming that it's going to be huge. World Live, weekend after turn, the first two nights at Knoxville are live. Saturday mm-hmm. is on LOR TV. We will have the first two nights, the prelim nights of the late model Knoxville Nationals. And for the first time ever the weekend after that turn, the Jackson 100 at Brownstown. One note on the Jackson, Friday is qualifying only. I don't know that we're going to be live Friday night. We may do a situation where we're there shaking some cameras down and we show it for free just to have it. I don't think uh, we're going to be live uh, on a pay-per-view basis. It should just be Saturday there, but we'll know a little more, but we will have the Jackson 100 live. I'm finishing it up. Monster section of the Kevin Kovac Memorial Notes section. Congrats to Ross Bales, by the way. Going to be in that GR Smith ride. GR communicated that to me. Press release is now out. Ross, a pretty damn good shoe down there in the southeast. We saw what Jonathan Davenport did. I'm not saying Ross is JD, but good for those two. Ross Bales and GR Smith, I think, can do some good things. Turn uh, So many things to get through the summer. I didn't realize this. Do you know that Stacy Marler babysitted the Moran children when I they were kids? I was unaware. I had no idea. In fact, look at this photo that we stumbled across. That is Donnie Moran. Nice. Look at Don. Looking good. Holding a young, roughly one-year-old, I think, Stacy Marler in this photo. Look at that. I love she sent that to me and Kevin Kovac. Stacy Marler, of course, Mike Marler's beautiful wife. Um, outkicked, you know, Mikey outkicked his coverage, just like I did, turn, no doubt about it. Um, and, and look at that. That is that is so cool. I love there's Donnie Moran holding Stacy Marler. She changed a few Moran diapers, by the way, turn over the years. Uh, Tracy Clay, good friend of ours, promoter at I-30 Speedway. She did something that's genius. Roll the clip. She did a dance contest on the front stretch. Do we have this clip? Yes. We do. This is Jack Sullivan turn. Look, look at this. <laughs> This Not bad for Cadillac yeah. Jack. Okay, he won the dance contest and had to do a solo. More tracks. Look at Jack shaking the moneymaker. More tracks need to do. And look at this. He does like a rope move here. The rope. Now the lasso situation. Why he's blindfolded, I have no idea. Not sure what's going uh, but on. But that's pretty but... cool. I really <laughs> dug that. Uh, don't forget, of course, earlier this month we were live earlier in July. Uh, five nights in a row, Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Turn, just throw up a little bit of those highlights. One thing I wanted to give a shout-out to Brown County. Never in my life have I been told thank you to coming to a racetrack more than I was at Brown County. Of course, no one needs to tell us that. We're just there doing our job. This is the last few exciting laps. It was awesome, though. Turn, those people were really yeah. cool, weren't they? People yeah. at Brown County and Jackson, Minnesota both. Thank you, Dirt Under. Thank you, Dirt Under. Thank you for coming. I just wanted to mention that. It made us feel good that night. That we, you know, that's a long way up there. Turn how long? Twelve hours or so. Yeah, it was about thirteen or fourteen with all our fuel stops. Thirteen hours up there, and just thank you to the folks at Brown County for telling us thank you. We mentioned the Dirt Million. We are now just two weeks away. Turn. Look at the final four standings of the Dirt Million. You want to talk about a curveball late in the game? Benjamin Mott, the guy who's. I guess his biggest career accomplishment, I guess you could say, is probably starting four ALMS races. So it's not exactly like Benjamin is a household name from, I'm going to say it wrong, Massillon. I believe it's Massillon, Ohio, Attica, Wayne County, Muskie, Oakshade. That's where he races a lot. But look at him making his way inside the top four, passing Bobby Pierce. So pretty cool for the Benjamin Mott folks uh, to turn out. And also, speaking of Mansfield, thank you to all the subscribers who tuned in to our free broadcast from Mansfield in early July. The numbers were fantastic, absolutely phenomenal. And you, you have my guarantee on this. At least one event per year, we will do free for our subscribers. I'd like to do two or three. 
I don't know how the schedules are going to shake out, but at least one event per year we are going to attempt to do every year, barring the weather and stuff. It just was awesome to give back to the subscribers and give away a live free night. And uh, one last thing I wanted to mention, timing, people. All those Cedar Lake shows were done in three to three and a half hours. Turn, how, how great was the vibe around the facility? Just, I mean, it was it, huge. I just can't say it enough. I know cost is probably the number one issue that we have in our sport, but getting done earlier and having a faster program, it just reinforced it this past weekend. It has to absolutely happen. Please take my advice. We take a break from live programming this weekend. That doesn't mean we won't be busy. A lot of our crew, including myself, will be in Florence for the North-South 100. Top-to-bottom coverage of the North-South. I think it's a cool... In a way that this race isn't live, it's old school. If you want to see the North-South, you got to go. And I always say that Florence, like I said, the geographic epicenter of late model racing, they pull people from everywhere. If you want to see it, you've got to go. Live updates, highlights, everything from Florence this weekend. Sadly, we are off again next week on Late Model Live. But then it gets busy. Five weeks in a row of Late Model Live starts just before the Dirt Million. The Dirt Million is just two weeks out, and we will return with a full Dirt Million preview on Tuesday night, August 21st. That thing could be over $200,000 to win at that point. Who, who really knows? We'll have much more on the Million coming up Tuesday night, August 21st. Until then, for Derek Kessinger, Michael Reiners, and everybody at DirtOnDirt.com, I am Michael Rigsby. It was good to be back. Thanks for joining us on Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. We'll see you right back here in two weeks.